Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Joel Klatt Show. I am Joel Klatt. Uh, really excited for this episode of this show. Uh, post-draft review. We're going to give out some grades, do a lot of different stuff. Okay, now, remember, subscribe to the show, rate, review us, do all of that fun stuff. If you want to follow us on social media, please do so. You can follow this program, at Joel Klatt Show, on all of the social medias. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joel Klatt. All right. And Instagram, by the way, at Joel underscore Klatt. Today, though, we've got a lot to get into, and so I want to get into it fairly quickly. First and foremost, I want to talk about some of the teams that I thought had outstanding drafts. Um, I've got three in particular. I want to talk about some singular picks that I just loved, whether it was a fit to a team and or just a pick that I loved. I'll get into some of that quarterback issue of what we saw in particular with Will Levis sliding into the second round. We've obviously got to bring this back into college football and talk about the first round and, and um, all the conferences represented in the first round, some of the teams that had the most picks uh, from college football. And then at the end, you're going to want to stay tuned because... I have got my first list of the top 10 players in next year's draft. Okay, so the 2024 NFL draft, here are my top 10 players available. That'll be coming up at the end of the program. Here we go. It's going to be fast. It's going to be furious. Let's get after it. Let's start with three teams that I just thought did an outstanding draft. Okay, so draft grades. I'm not going to give... Like F's and uh, this team didn't do well. I'm not going to do that. I want to talk about three teams that I thought had, out, had outstanding drafts. Okay, Let me start with the one that everybody's been talking about and for um, good measure. And that's the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles came into this draft with the luxury of having one of the best, if not the best roster in all of football. Okay, They signed their quarterback to that monster deal. And good for you, Jalen Hurts. I, I absolutely love that for you. And they're sitting there with a couple of picks in the first round. What a luxury that must have been. And th this Eagles franchise got way better. And, and the best part about having a great roster and having, in particular, a couple of picks in the first round is that you don't get locked into the need category. So this team was able to just sit there and select great football players. So a lot of why I love this draft is, is for one, because of how they came into this draft as the best roster in football, at least in my uh, eyes. And so here they are, and they get Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith in the first round. I mean, what? At 9 and 30, no less. 
You know, if they're trading up from 30 and they're getting Nolan Smith and they've got to spend some draft capital, that's one thing. But they didn't. If they've got to spend more draft capital, and I understand that they moved to get to nine. But Jalen Carter on the Philadelphia Eagles is terrifying for everybody else. Terrifying. This defense is all of a sudden, it's like, hey, just bring in Kirby Smart on the microphone. Because if you don't know, and most people don't, Kirby actually is on the PA on the microphone during practice all the time at Georgia. Yelling. I mean, just on it. Guy's a madman. And I love it. It's part of the reason why his defense plays with such urgency. Right? Detail. All of those things. They've got great players on that that defense at Georgia. So why not go and steal those great players? Draft those great players. So here we are, a year after taking Jaden Davis, and, and they've got all these Georgia players and then Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith at 9 and 30. I I mean, Eagles select three G- Georgia defensive players. They take Keely Ringo a little bit later. They're able to get Tyler Steen, the offensive lineman from Alabama. Sidney Brown, one of the best safeties in all of America from Illinois. And a guy, by the way, he's one of the toughest players available. So this defense gets better. Their offensive line gets a little bit more depth. It's like, are you serious? The Eagles are going to be the NFC East favorites, the NFC favorites, and quite frankly, maybe even the Super Bowl favorites. Now, granted, they don't have Patrick Mahomes, and yeah, that's that's tough. But they do have Jalen Hurts, who was an MVP candidate, and they had an outstanding draft, and I absolutely loved it. All right, a couple of other teams that I really liked. Let's Let's talk about Houston. Houston's boldness and secrecy for that number two pick was outstanding. Um... There was so much being talked about in the lead up to the draft about what Houston was going to do. There was a lot of smokescreen about the fact that they didn't love CJ Stroud and maybe they wouldn't take him and maybe it was going to be Tyree Wilson. Uh, was the pick available? Were they going to trade it? Then there was all of a sudden some of this like, well, maybe they'll take a defensive player and then trade back up and back into the top 10 with their second pick in the first round. I think I believe it was 12. And lo and behold, that's what happens. And by the way, kudos to Daniel Jeremiah, a friend of the program, as you know, and a great friend of mine. Guy on a mock draft predicts the exact trade. Are you kidding me? Daniel Jeremiah is one of the best people in the business, and he's certainly the best draft analyst in the business. So he nails it. C.J. Stroud with the second pick, trade back up to number three with Arizona, and they get Will Anderson. Will Anderson. So here they are, and they're sitting there, and they got the best quarterback available to them in C.J. Stroud, and a quarterback, by the way, that there shouldn't been have been a lot of debate about, in particular if you listen to this program, and you know exactly how I feel about C.J. and, and his potential. But then they also get what was my best player available in the entire draft. My number one overall prospect was Will Anderson. And they tried back up, and they get C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. So kudos to uh, the whole Houston organization for the way that they handled this, the secrecy involved, and quite frankly, the smoke screens that were thrown up. Because not a lot of people outside of Daniel predicted that, and it was tremendous. By the way, the team that they traded, I would be remiss if I didn't mention at least Arizona. And while I'm not going to bring them up specifically as, as one of the three that I really loved, Arizona did set themselves up really well for the future. They get an offensive lineman to block for Kyler Murray and Paris Johnson, which is the guy that they wanted anyway. So you move down and get the guy that you were targeting all, all around all the, all the time. And they get a second first round pick next year. And judging by, you know, listen, I mean, I love Houston's draft, but Houston likely is going to have a top five or six pick. 
the way Arizona's roster is right now, they might have a top five or six pick. So you might be staring at a at a scenario in which the Arizona Cardinals are going to get to take two of my top four players in my list that I'm going to give you at the end of the program. I mean, they're looking really good for next year. So there's a little note on Arizona. And then my last team that I want to talk about, in just in terms of a, a quality draft, was Pittsburgh. I really loved Pittsburgh's draft. They got good football players, and they made their organization better. And they draft with discipline. And and they get Broderick Jones in a nice move in which they kind of move up and get Broderick Jones. I like that for them because they needed offensive line help. They get to block for Kenny Pickett and obviously protect him, and that's good. Then they get Joey, Joey Porter Jr. in a move in which I wanted to make in my first-round mocks. So I think that there was some good value there. And obviously, like, tug on the heartstrings. Are you kidding me? Joey Porter Jr. to Pittsburgh? Let's go. Then they get three players in the subsequent rounds after that. And, and I thought these were really good picks. Keanu Benton, defensive tackle for Wisconsin. Good player. Really good player. And he's going to be a good pro. Darnell Washington. He had some injury issues, and so people were shying away from him. They get him with great value. He's a solid tight end and a guy that's basically a sixth offensive lineman. And then Nick Herbig, also from Wisconsin. He's a good linebacker. These are perfect Pittsburgh-type draft picks. I think all of these guys are going to play, and hopefully they play for a long time. This is one of those drafts that I think Steeler fans will look back on and be like, boy, those are all guys that can be cornerstones of our organization. And I really like that. So those are the three teams that I would say had really great drafts. Uh, Eagles, Houston, and Pittsburgh, and then watch out for Arizona next year. All right, how about some individual picks that I really loved? Buffalo. How about Buffalo jumping up to get Dalton Kincaid? And I love the way, if you were watching the NFL Network coverage, I love what Daniel said right before Buffalo selected. He said, if the rest of the league is going to sit here and let Buffalo take Dalton Kincaid, then shame on them and they get exactly what they deserve. And he, and lo and behold, here's Dalton Kincaid to the Buffalo Bills. Um, they trade up, select him, and this is a outstanding player, widely considered the best tight end in the draft. Now, I thought Mara was also very good, but Kincaid is just a little bit more of a flex tight end. It's not that he's going to sit down there and, and get in line and be a great blocker. I mean, he can, but he's not going to be great. But what he is great at is being a threat in space, the flex tight end position, the move tight end position. And if you're going to give Josh Allen a red zone threat in particular, because remember, some of those mistakes that Allen made this last year, they wound up being big mistakes in the red zone. What do you need in the red zone? I've always said this. In the red zone, the tight end can be a quarterback's best friend. Well, there you go with Kincaid, who will be a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses, and they get him at 25. Love the pick. Buffalo is going to be a better team because of this, and I think Kincaid is going to have a great career. Another pick that I absolutely loved, and one of it is that I just love him, and then the other part is just the scene that unfolded when this pick was made. Check it out. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Hey, it's going good. This is Dad. My phone wasn't working. Look at here, man. You want to come to work with me next week? <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. I got somebody want to speak to you. I got somebody want to speak to you. I don't know when I've been speaking for everybody that's really in the heart of the Dallas Cowboys and is standing here with a tear in our eye. We're yes, so sir. happy to have you on the Dallas Cowboys. I can't thank you enough. Well, what I really want to say, you earned every ounce of me being able to make this call. 
That is so awesome. That is so awesome. And he's been one of my favorite players. I love Deuce Vaughn. Love Deuce Vaughn. And that whole scene, I, you know, I was thinking more and more about that after it happened. And listen, my dad was a football coach. Um, I spent so much time with my dad. Some of the hap- most, <laughs> I'm going to get choked up. Oh, geez. This is so, uh, you turn into a dad and you become a little bit of a crier. Um, I spent so many hours with my dad around his football team. So you can, you can imagine the relationship that Deuce and his father have around the sport and how many dinners that they've shared. Um, Deuce talking about his dreams and his dad talking about what it would take to reach those lofty dreams. And then to be able to share that, I can remember my whole life, all I wanted to do was play high school football for my father. And then when I got to do it, I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Some of the most joyful moments of my entire life. I remember getting to hug him after big wins. So to have that moment between a father and a son, and again, I, I'm as I get older with three sons, I just get sentimental. To have that moment, can you imagine, those of you out there that are fathers, can you imagine getting to call your son and getting to share the news that the dream of his life just happened, just came true, just got drafted into the National Football League? Ugh, again, I didn't think I was going to get all like mushy about this one, but I, I love it. Now, outside of just the, the moment, I do think Deuce has a chance to be a really good NFL player. People knock Deuce's speed. And you know what? Fair enough. Because, yes, on the stopwatch, if you're just going to sit there and, and, and click the stopwatch, is he the fastest player you've ever seen? No. Here's, here's what I would say, though. Great. So go tackle him. Because isn't that the name of the game? See, the last time I checked, we're not giving points away just because you're fast on a stopwatch. You earn points and first downs because you can avoid tackles. You can break tackles. You understand the game. And this guy does all of those things. See, I actually think it's a great pick. It's not just sentimental. As mushy as I can sit here and get and think about that moment between a father and a son, the reality of it is I think Deuce is going to help the Cowboys. You give him the ball between six, seven, eight times a game, good things are going to happen. He can create first downs for you. He is elusive. Like I said, fine. Click the stopwatch all you want. Tell me that he's not fast enough. Somebody go tackle him. See how you see how it works out. See how it works out. Because generally speaking, there's a lot of defenders that are tackling nothing and they're just rolling around with a big handful of air when they're trying to tackle Deuce Vaughn. So Deuce, good luck. Uh, I know this sounds stupid, but proud of you. Uh, you had a chance to leave Kansas State for a lot of money. You chose to stay there. You left a great legacy there in Manhattan, Kansas. And now here you go and you get to go try to make the Dallas Cowboys. And I hope, uh, hope that you do. All right, let's move on now to quarterbacks. 14 quarterbacks taken in this year's draft. And that's not necessarily news. You know, that's not anything to write home about. But 12 of those quarterbacks were actually taken in the first five rounds. That's pretty extraordinary. Um, that's a record. 
12 quarterbacks taken in the first five rounds. Speaks to a lot of different things. Um, let me mention a couple of factors. Number one is, is that we have a lot of experienced quarterbacks now in college football. A couple of things happened. One, NIL. Two, COVID year. So we've got a bunch of experienced quarterbacks, and there was actually a lot of decent grades for these guys. And what you'll see is, is that these organizations see value in getting these guys that they feel like can be competent backups that are cheap. What do you need if you're paying your quarterback $250 million? A cheap backup. And that's what all of these great teams are going to be doing in the next few years. You know, Allen's up there in salary. Jalen Hurts is up there in salary now. Lamar Jackson just signed the huge deal. Joe Burrow is about to break the bank, and he's going to be the highest paid uh, player in the NFL. So you need these guys in there, and why not have somebody that's played a lot of football so the experienced guys, they had a little bit more value than maybe uh, uh, you see when guys come out early. So I think that had something to do with it. Now, Let's talk about one quarterback specifically. And we've all talked about Stroud and Young and, and all these guys up at the top. And even Hendon uh, Hooker, who got selected, or even Anthony Richardson. I want to talk about Will Levis because Will Levis became the story of the draft, in particular on night one and then into night two. Sitting there and doing the draft and, and watching the draft unfold, I had a pit in my stomach for Will Levis. And that pit in my stomach wasn't like, oh my gosh, he's slipping. It's... I can't believe that they're allowing this because it was totally avoidable. It was totally avoidable. Will Levis is a really good player, but there's a reason why I had Will Levis not in my top 10 players available, but in my top, what, 35 players available, which, by the way, is really good. And everyone thought, you know, I got a lot of blowback on social media when I would say things like, hey, I have concerns about Will Levis. And they'll be like, oh, you're a hater. Blah, 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 blah. Why do you hate Will Levis? One, I don't hate Will Levis. He was a quarterback that I thought a lot of. He was in my top 35 overall players in the entire draft, which is, by the way, about right where he got selected. But I will tell you that I'm not part of the draft machine. I'm part of college football. And so I feel like I had a much more realistic view of what Will Levis was and is than some of these draft people. The moment I saw Will Levis's name pop up, and you know exactly where we all saw it pop up, on lists last summer talking about the best quarterback prospects of the season, I was like, whoa, that's a little high. And then I started hearing things like, well, don't watch 2022, watch 2021. What are you talking about? They were basically the same tape. He threw 13 interceptions in 2021, only 10 in 2022. He turned the ball over too much. He was inaccurate at times. There was tremendous and th there is tremendous upside with him. But those of us that are in college football kind of saw this coming. Will Levis was a victim of the draft machine. He was. He was a victim of the draft machine and the hype surrounding it. I don't think, you know, unfortunately, he was there and this happened to him. And you know what? Maybe if the Colts just view it a little bit differently... He's selected there at number four, and then it's Anthony Richardson that starts to fall. And does Richardson fall into the second round if he's not selected at four? Probably not. Why? Because the upside is too high. But as soon as Levis wasn't selected by the Colts, I turned to Charles Davis and Daniel Jeremiah, and we all looked at each other, and we were like, mm, this could be a long night for him because there was nowhere to put him. Maybe Tennessee, maybe, but they didn't have to at that point. Why? Because they knew they could get him later. So, you know, listen... 
I wish Will Levis all the success in the world, and I felt sick to my stomach for him and his family and the entire scene. And by the way, this whole, like, probability of getting drafted, totally made up. Based on what? Sorry, I digress. I digress. Will was a victim of the draft machine. If you are in college football, like we are, and if you're a fan of this show, I say we because we are a part of college football. If you've been a part of college football and really taking in over the last few years, you were surprised with this quote-unquote draft evaluation, and like I was. Like I said, love the kid. High upside, great arm, great kid, good leader, good with his teammates. All of those things are tremendous assets. The problem is he was my number 33rd ranked prospect. I don't think that your 33rd ranked prospect should be sitting in the green room in the draft. So, Will, I hope that you go out and have a lot of success. And if, if, if I might take a moment, I would say just directly to Will Levis. Here's my words of advice. If you are hurt by this, good. Let it burn deep down in your soul every day. Let it drive you. Let it be your motivation. Because guess what? Nobody cares on that team and in that locker room that you're about to walk in. Nobody cares where you were drafted. Nobody cares what your experience was or if it was embarrassing. They're not going to be there to coddle you. The currency in la that locker room is going to be one thing and one thing only. Can you help us win football games? So go to work. Let it drive you. Let it be your fuel. All right? We can sit here and say, we feel sorry. It's a starting line. So use it as motivation. And if I asked you seven years ago, before you had ever even gone to Penn State, hey, you're going to get selected in the second round of the NFL draft in 2023. You would have said, take it. Take it and run. Take the opportunity and run. So do it. So do it. Let this, what you're feeling right now, that you thought you were underrated. What happened? That was, let it burn deep down inside of you and use it for motivation and go out and prove everybody wrong. All right, let's move into college football now. I just had to say that because you know what? I just saw everyone's like, hey, hey, let's go. Anyways, let's move to college football now because everybody always likes to evaluate conferences. And yes, for the 17th straight year, the SEC had the most draft picks in the NFL draft. By the way, we all would have bet a lot of money on that because we all know that that was the case. And this is the reason why the SEC has been the best conference in college football um, in the last decade, two decades, right? We all know that. Now, what I did find interesting, though, is that the first round was fairly balanced for the first time in a while, right? I mean, for the first time in at least, what, seven years? It wasn't just the SEC that had the most picks in the first round. So there was some balance through this thing. Like, the Big 12 has not had great drafts recently, and here they are with six picks in the first round. The Big 10 had nine picks. The SEC had nine picks. The Big 12 had six picks. ACC four and the Pac-12 three. So it was fairly well distributed. Uh, no group of five players, by the way, so no sauce gardeners out there. But it was a fairly good representation of college football. And I thought that was a good thing. I'm hoping that this is more the norm moving forward than an anomaly. Now, is that the case? I'm not sure because I just saw the recruiting rankings and basically, you know, every five-star player basically went to the SEC. So we'll see how that goes. 
But I, I do think that as the playoff expands and as we can define more teams and programs as successful, maybe we'll start to see this distribution um, more times than not. Now, as far as teams go, you're sitting there and you're like, well, who are the two teams that are most represented in the NFL draft? Not hard to find that. It's Georgia and Alabama. They each have 10 players. I think the next two would be a little surprising because most people would automatically think, as I did, like Ohio State was probably number two. It wasn't. It was Michigan with nine players selected. And then the fourth team that is most represented in the draft is actually really surprising, and it was TCU. And now you know exactly why they had such a great year. It's because they had great players. Remember, it's not necessarily, although a little bit, but necessarily about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. And this is a representation of that. Only Ohio State um, is the team that's not on this list of the top four teams represented in the NFL draft that went to the playoff. So there you go. Um, I do think it's fascinating, by the way. If you look at the 2021 Georgia defense... <laughs> 2021 Georgia defense. Now, off of that defense, there have been 14 players selected. I just said defense, by the way. The 2021 Georgia defense has had 14 players selected in the NFL draft. Seven of them in the first round. That is insane. Insane. Like, what is what has gone on in the last two years at Georgia is so unprecedented. Like, I can't tell you how impressive this is of what Kirby Smart has built. And then just a quick side note. So that was maybe and will go down as one of the greatest defenses of all time, right? We start looking back at like the 01 Miami Hurricanes or who was on the field in the in the 05 National Championship as far as number of draft picks on that USC and Texas team. Well, we're going to go back to like the 2021-2022 Georgia team that won back-to-back -back national championships and we're going to start talking about all the draft picks on that team in coming years and we're going to sit there and we're going to be like, "Hold on." The 2021 Georgia defense had seven first-round draft picks. And then you have to think in the back of your head, remember, remember this? That team got run out of the building by Bryce Young. People forget that. Bama won the SEC championship and ran that Georgia team out of the building with Jamison Williams. They threw it all over that Georgia team. And by the way, if Williams doesn't tear up his knee, who knows what happens in the national championship game? Just like wild. And I can't wait for another four or five years to start to put that into perspective of what we saw over the last couple of years in college football. All right. Now let's get to what I think is going to be the most fun part. Um, other than my motivational speech, I did, by the way, did I just go full Matt Foley on Will Levis? I think I did. I think I did. I'm sorry, Will. I, by the way, I met your aunt, Aunt Julie, I believe it was, or Aunt. No, it wasn't Aunt Ginny. That would have been, I believe it was Aunt Julie in the lobby at the coffee shop. Really awesome lady. Will's aunt, her daughter is actually a sophomore at the University of Colorado. Will's got a great family. I hope he has a lot of success. I was rooting for him. It didn't work out, like I said, victim of the draft machine. And then I, all of a sudden, I get on this show and I go all Matt Foley on him. You're living in a van. What do you want to be when you grow up? And blah, blah, blah. Um, now the best portion of the show. And I saved it to the end because I can't wait for this. Now that this draft is over, 
we can all agree, and you didn't want to say this prior to the draft because you don't want to take away from like the draft, right? You want the draft to have as much juice as possible. And yet, here's the truth about the 2023 draft. We had players, and I think that the top five players in next year's draft would have all been the best player at their position in this draft. So I think that the top five selections in this draft probably would have gone in the first six or seven picks in 2023. So here we go. I'm going to go 10 to 1. 10 to 1 to keep the suspense. All right. Number 10. I'm going with the Washington quarterback, and you know quarterbacks are always uh, you know, a little overvalued, but that's all right. Michael Penix Jr. has played a lot of football, a lot of football, right? Had COVID year, transfer, and all the. If he stays healthy, he's going to have an outstanding year. I think Michael Penix Jr. can have some serious draft stock. If you actually watch his play, when he's in rhythm, man, it's very impressive. So Michael Penix Jr., I like him at 10. Number nine from Florida State, Jared Verse, uh, the edge, edge defender. He's really good, athletic. Uh, can dominate. I like him a lot. Number eight, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame, Joe Alt. Uh, by the way, there's going to be another offensive lineman on here. So a couple of offensive linemen. Alt's a really good player. Notre Dame's offensive line as a whole, I think, is going to be really the strength of their team next year. Um, so I've got Joe Alt right there at number eight. Number seven is a guy that I saw a lot of over the last couple of years, and I think is going to blossom into one of the most dominant players in college football, and that's JT Tuimoloau. Remember that great game he had against Penn State when he was just out of this world? I've got him at number seven in my prospects for next year. Uh, at number six, the Bama uh, secondary, they get a representation with Kool-Aid McKinstry. He's a good player. I think he had like 15 PBUs. Now, he's not heavy. Like I think he's only like 185 pounds, something along those lines. But he's like 6'1", good length. I like him a lot. All right, now we get into the top five. Another tackle, this one from Penn State. Top tackle, I think, in next year's draft, Olu Fashinu. He comes back to school, could have been in this draft. Now he goes back to school. He's a heck of a player. Now he's blocking for those two young backs that will be have one more year of experience. Uh, watch out for them. Uh, Penn State's going to be very good. By the way, I think they'll probably start the season fifth in the country. That's probably where I would put them, fifth in the country. All right, number four. And these are these top four. <laughs> great players. Great players. All of them would have been selected. And Fashionu, by the way, as well, would have been selected. He would have been the top tackle on this year's draft, I think. Brock Bowers, tight end from Georgia. Dude is an absolute monster. Love Brock Bowers. He is basically... A wide receiver in a tight end's body that can also play running back. He's outstanding. Hand him the ball, throwing the ball. When he gets his hands on the ball after the catch, he's dynamic. As you can see, he's got great speed, great hands. He's outstanding. He would have been the top tight end in this in this draft. At number three, I'm going Drake May, quarterback at North Carolina. Now, we saw him in that Holiday Bowl, and I was so impressed. He is... I, I How do I say this? He's like a baby Josh Allen. He can grow into that. 
Great arm. This play that you're seeing on your screen right here, he steps in the, up in the pocket, eyes on the left side, and then he comes back to the right side and just delivers an absolute dime. That was in the Holiday Bowl against Oregon. Um, great player, great makeup. I think he's going to be an outstanding pro, and he's a guy that I think would have got, gotten selected over any of the quarterbacks this year. Um, all right, now we go into the top two. I've thought a lot about the top two. A lot. I know I'm going to catch heat for this because everyone's like, oh, you know, this guy's a generational player. And maybe he is. Maybe he is. And you know what? He probably is. But I can't not put the guy at number one that I know is the best player in college football. So two is Caleb Williams. Quarterback USC. Williams is the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes that we've seen since Patrick Mahomes. Williams is lethal. Normally I say for a quarterback like surgical, he's lethal. <clears throat> Excuse me. His athletic ability, ability to throw on the run, confidence, all of it. Dude is is as good as it gets, he would have been the top pick in the draft. He he would have been the top quarterback in the draft. Caleb Williams is should he should have won the Heisman. He did win the Heisman. It's, it's hard to explain how good the guy is. But I couldn't do this list. The best player in the draft, in, in the, dra the best player, okay? I don't have to, like, value the prospect. So I don't have to value position. The best player next year is Marvin Harrison Jr. The dude is the best wide receiver that I've seen in college football since Randy Moss. He does everything well. He's like his dad in a, in a baby Julio Jones body. He runs great routes. He catches it better than anybody. He's got outstanding body control. Look at that catch. If you're watching, by the way, we're on, we're on YouTube. Go like, you can watch us on YouTube. The catch he made against Indiana. One, I don't know how he didn't break his leg. Two, how did he come down in bounds? He he jumps up. He's being contacted. It looks like he's being pulled out of bounds. He's going to touch with his left foot. And then he's like, no, that one's going to be out. So let me touch with my right foot. Going back basically does the splits. It's insanity. The, the space he creates, his ability to win, to be physical. He's the best player in college football. The best player in college football. So Marvin Harrison Jr. is my number one prospect for next year because he's the best player. So there's the list. Penix Jr., uh, Verse uh, from Florida State, Alt from Notre Dame, Tui Moloau from Ohio State, McKinstry from Alabama, Fashionu from Penn State, Bowers from Georgia, May from North Carolina, Williams from USC, and Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. So there you go. Um, this has been out like outstanding covering the draft, but moving forward next week, we're going to start getting into this post-spring evaluation of college football. So we'll get into that in the coming episodes. Listen, thank you for uh, listening, watching, doing all the things with The Joel Klatt Show. You can follow us again on social media, at Joel Klatt Show. Follow me, at Joel Klatt, on Twitter. I appreciate you so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.